Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being here. Today, we have Wasim Saman on the show. He's the chief audit executive at Boomi. Uh, for those who don't know, Boomi is the platform for intelligent connectivity and automation. Uh, so if you're interested in like RPA, automation, things along those lines, it's definitely a company to check out as well. I'm sure you can hit up Wasim. Um, they use it within their own internal audit department. And so I'm sure you could hit him up and um, talk about the product as well. Usually the way we do these intros is off camera. Uh, the guests will kind of give me their background, any recognition, awards, things like that, that they might want me to speak to. And then I basically summarize their LinkedIn. We do that because early on in the show, we had somebody that went on for like eight minutes about their intro. And I was like, ah, it's like a 30 minute show. I don't really know if we want eight minutes to be intro. So um for you all the listeners uh we do that on our end so we do the intro hey big four partner whatever uh and now a cae like that's for the most part all anybody really needs to know in order to go yeah this is probably somebody worth listening to anyway wasing started to tell me his story when we were doing the pre-interview call and i just stopped him. <laughs> I was like look i'm not gonna do your intro i'm just gonna let you do it because it is such a such a great story um so i will keep the rest brief though but some highlights um from my perspective anyway was seen is as far as we can tell the youngest cae at a publicly traded u.s company he was recognized at his time when he was at 21st 21st century fox um and he met the ceo and the rest of the murdoch family which is insane at one of his former companies the ceo left and when he did asked Wasim to come with him. So how many CEOs do you think are asking their CAEs to come with them? And lastly, when we were trying to schedule the call, you know, it was like, how about tomorrow? And Wasim was like, I got a one-on-one with the CEO tomorrow. I was like, yeah, okay. What about Thursday? I got a one-on-one with the CEO then. What about Monday? One-on-one with the CEO then. And so it's, which I think is really interesting. And I think it'd be a really good KPI for CAEs to kind of measure and go, how many one-on-ones am I having with a CEO? Or how many times has the CEO sent me a message or knocked on my door or whatever to get my advice on something, maybe not even audit related. Um, I think all of those points are very strong evidence that Wasim is a very legit CAE um, and someone whose advice I think we all need. Here we go. I graduated from USC with my master's, had my CPA, typical uh, student, went into external audit, the big four, launched my career at ENY. You know, I, my passion was to help people and, and that reflected even at ENY, I'd like to volunteer. I used to reach out to the campus. I was a very big on diversity and inclusion. So. I now worked a lot. Anyway, from there, I got, so I got to be put on a lot, because I got to know a lot of people, I got to be put on a lot of the big accounts, got a lot of exposure. 
Um, they used to call me the EYB there. I, as a staff, I ran the, 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 the pride group for the LA chapter, which is a huge chapter, um, which was unheard of for like a staff one to run that. Usually it's a senior manager. Uh, from E&Y, I got recruited at Fox Studios. Um, at Fox Studios, I was the global audit manager. I got to travel the world. I uh, went to over 40 countries. Really got experience, like compliance experience, SDPA experience, all kinds of experiences. I mean, this is a Fortune 100 global conglomerate with every kind of revenue stream you can think of. They own real estate. They have studios. They have consumer products. It was a great experience. Um, while I was there, I still had this passion for diversity and inclusion, and we didn't have any, um, even though it was a Fortune 100 company. So I started the first Pride Group, uh, the first ERG period. And that group, you know, flourished at uh, Fox and, and had over a thousand members just in the Los Angeles area. And from that, actually, all the other ERGs were formed. And and we went from zero funding to over millions and millions of dollars in fundings. And because of that role, I got exposure like to the CEO, like the Murdochs yeah. knew who I was and stuff like that, where like even my SVP never got to meet with the Murdoch. So while initially when I started the group, everyone's like, you're crazy. You're probably going to get terminated for this as a career ending move. It actually ended up being the complete opposite. It put me on the radar. And then uh, shortly after from Fox, Disney bought Fox. Um, and I was approached, you know, with unknowns and stuff like that. You know, I was starting to look at other places because I knew there was going to be layoffs and everything. Um, so I got a bunch of offers, but actually Disney ended up counting offering. And they're like, no, we know you. And it has been like, we want you to stay, uh, which was great to hear because they just bought us like two months ago. And he was like the head of audit saying that. And she you know, I ended up understanding that I got an offer to lead an, uh, an internal audit department, like create the thoughts and internal audit function at a public company or a recently public company called Everbridge. So she's like, this is an all my one in a lifetime opportunity. Go do it. But if you don't like it, I have a role for you to just come back. So that's great to know, you know, and I that felt very well. Uh, I was very happy about that. Even when I was at e when I left at Fox, they counter offered. So it's always a good feeling. Uh, for that, um, because of the diversity and inclusion, like you're like, why, why would that impact internal audit at Fox? Because I'm, you know, people knew me for the role of being the pride president globally. They would approach me, my support from all of my team of, you know, 50 plus people on my team. I would be the first person to get support. I would be the first person to like complete my audits because people trusted me and newly outside of the police officer that internal audit is known for, you know, people can find in me because I was involved in all these different departments. I got to know about, I probably found the most investigations just because of knowing people and getting, uh, that stuff. So anyway, get recruited to Everbridge, um, over there again. Now, you know, at Fox, the internal audit department was established. You said jump. People were like, how high? Uh, but here it's like starting from scratch. There's little respect for the function. They just know it's required by law and they triggered a 404B and oh my God, what are we going to do? And so I came in there, rolled up my sleeve, brand new CFO, brand new audit committee chair, shortly after brand new CEO. 
And so I literally have to teach myself. I went from being an audit manager to all of a sudden the head of a department. How do you report to the board? How do you run an internal audit charter? How do you do all that kind of stuff? Again, uh, started networking, used my interpersonal skills, uh, really try to show them how valuable this function is, how much a value add they get at it. So became their business partner, not a police officer for them. And surely and when, once they saw that, so like six months in, people are seeing cost savings, people are seeing how like now they're not getting triple audited because you had external audit, internal audit, the compliance groups all auditing you. It's like, oh no, I streamlined everything where they're getting audited once and uh, audit help them automate stuff and help reduce all these manual processes for them. So now they're like, no, we, they're inviting me to meetings. They, they want you to be involved. They're respecting you. They, um, and as a matter of fact, you know, like when I first joined, we shortly did an acquisition and I, I found out about the acquisition from our external auditor. That's awful. Yeah. Right. But it's like, oh, what due diligence? I mean, what, what, what acquisition to, we did nine in that. So 10 in total on my career at Everbridge. And, you know, I was probably one of the first people then to know about the acquisitions and I helped, you know, and the CEO would call me and the CFO phone me to help them with due diligence, to get my thoughts on what do I think of this potential buy of a company. I was in, you know, I, I got it involved with diversity and inclusion again, created the first pride group there, the first ERG, got on the culture committee, just really worked to let people see me from a different light other than the police officer, show them how I can be a value add, help them uh, start the sustainability committee and ESG, help them uh, do, uh, with the enterprise risk committee, uh, join that InfoSpec and Cybersecurity Committee. Just really, like, wherever I was needed, I was there. Investigations, rolling out policies. Again, while doing the 10 acquisitions in the three years I was at Averbridge, we had zero significant deficiencies by, at year end. That, that is remarkable, given that I only had, it was myself, a brand new kind of department with me and a few direct report. And so that speaks for itself. Yeah. And with that, our external auditors relied on almost 50% of our work. And so they were happy. The board's happy. Everyone's happy. Um, so I really, you know, every year I was there, I, I got awards, but I didn't stop learning. I, I connected with others, uh, you know, CAEs. I got uh, involved with the IAA. Uh, when you're in a mid-sized company, you know, you don't have, you have to be scrappy, you have to be creative, you have to think outside the box. You don't have unlimited resources or a large team. I was agile as an, a CAE, dynamic, you know, proactive. Instead of like waiting and telling someone something's wrong six months later where it's stale, I was involved in from the beginning to help them get it right. You know, whether it was the acquisitions, whether it's, you know, implementing a new system or, or rolling out a policy or selecting training, right? So anyway, that all helped develop my career. And, um, and from there I got to join CE roundtables and become a, a board member on the IAA. Uh, shortly after one of my friends uh, was at Forge Global tells me this company's great. They have this amazing stuff that they're doing. You know, you can buy public companies as Sorry, private company stock, and mm -hmm. it's a really cool function tech company. Uh, come over here. They're looking for a chief audit executives to help them go public. 
And um, surely enough, I had a, a bunch of offers, but that, this one really stood out because the audit committee chair, she was so active, so involved and very big on diversity and inclusion. So I knew that, that was the place I wanted to go. So I went there again. I got a counter offer from Average. I got counter offers from the other places I had offers from, which is fantastic. And launched, uh, started my second time as a CAE uh, there. Shortly after there and taking them public, my old CEO, who was at a different company now, was like, look, this company, we want you to come. It's called Boomi. It's integration software, something that you love because you love to integrate and automate. And that's all you wanted to do at Average. Yeah. Um, and build a mini manual processes. That's what they do. Uh, come, we would love you, well, you ever you did to Everbridge, please come do this. So again, for the third time now, I built an internal audit and SOX function. And again, starting from scratch, made my name known, made my name known where like, imagine the CEO of your former company knows who you are and calls you, texts you, and just made a name for myself, uh, you know, and it, it was just basically being nice and being yeah. <laughs> universal and technical. That's what I thought was uh, super interesting was when you said the CEO brought you back basically to the other company. So they moved on. And and so I think a question that I think the listeners should ask themselves, if your CEO, if you're a CAE, for example, left and went somewhere else, do you think they would bring you with them? Would they ask for you to come with them? And I think you could almost use that as a measuring stick of, uh, do you have the, you know, seat at the table, um, which kind of goes into my, my first question. Um, cause I know like in our conversations, even trying to get this scheduled, you're like, look, man, I got a one-on-one with the CEO tomorrow. I got a one-on-one with the CEO two days after that. I got a one-on-one with the CEO three days after that. So like, uh, schedule's kind of tight and that has got to be like the definition of seat at the table is when you're having multiple, you know, usually I think for most folks that I talk to lucky to get maybe a monthly one-on-one with their CEO, uh, quarterly. Um, and you clearly have that. And that's, it, you know, a lot of people I talk to, that's like the end goal. So what can like the listeners, uh, CAEs or even fo- aspiring CAEs, what can they do to like actually get there and get that seat that, that, that everyone kind of covets? Stop being a police officer and be a value add. Mm-hmm. Help them save money, help them scale, be an advisor and be the right hand man. Um, no matter what the CEO needed, you know, he'd call me on the weekends. He would call me. It was something out of the scope of my job. Sure. Project. We were rolling out a new pricing model and we have to roll it out immediately. And we need, you know, you're the only person I can trust to project managers because you always deliver things on time or stuff like that. So just be helpful, be there. And actually even at, at you know, I, I started the pride group at Forge. I came to Boomi. They had a, um, our CEO used to call me there as a culture warrior. Mm-hmm. And right away, he's like, oh, I need you to do, uh, like the second week I was there, I really put on a, a pride panel and I became the executive sponsor of the pride group here. They had it. And Boomi was good because it was a carve out from Dell. So they already had that established. And, you know, our head of HR and all those people that are very big on diversity and inclusion here. So it's amazing. But it's all about relationship though. Like I, I'm new, I'm relatively new to this role. And, and look, I'm young. I'm probably the youngest CAE to work for a public company. My first role as CAE was, I was 30 years old. Yeah. Like that's unheard of for a public company on that, you know, 
in in the U United States, and that I, I'm not related to anyone. I wasn't anyone. <laughs> like that. And, and this is my third time being chief audit executive, and you know I'm still in my 30s. It's relationship building. Like one of my favorite people at the company is our you know is our head of HR. We text on a regular basis. Uh, our uh, legal counsel, we have a great relationship. We also text. He calls me. You know, he was at a thing and he was like, oh, I saw these boomy towels and I know you wanted one, so I shipped you one. Like, to be thought of like that because I say this stuff because usually internal audit is like that stepchild that no one wants to deal with, no one wants to talk to, and it's just more of like, check the box. Yeah. Instead, you're invited to the table. I'm going to our revenue conference, our sales kickoff conference. Like, when does internal audit get a seat there? I'm invited to roundtable. Uh, the CEO used to ha you know, ha has me interview people for him. And I'm not talking related to socks or audit. It was like the chief transformation officer or HR wanted me to uh, interview their you know, HRS person or, or stuff like that. And be there, help them, help them avoid the issues. And don't be netty petty about, oh, you went over by a dollar or two yeah. on e e Stuff that does not matter at the end of the day. Like one of the things that I've learned when I was at some of the larger companies is we sit there and write 60, 70 page reports. No one has time to read that. It's a waste of time, money, inefficient, and doesn't add value. Instead, give them a one page paper, use your issues. And we, you know what? We already fixed them yeah. and here's the action plan and move on. Yeah. And nobody's reading those anyway. Not that long. Nobody's actually reading all that anyway. Uh, so I totally agree. Something interesting you said, so you're talking about the relationship you have with HR and then the CEO. I was having an, an off uh, camera, I guess, conversation with somebody, uh, a former CAE uh, that said, there's two people you don't want to piss off in the organization, head of HR and the CEO. And so I think having the relationship that you have with those folks is um, critical, I think, to what you're doing. I, I, and obviously amongst everyone else that you have those with, but among, uh, outside of relationship building, which is probably, I don't know, we've probably talked to like 50-ish north of 50 CAEs thought, you know, all those folks, uh, and it all, all boils down to relationships, but outside of the relationships, what are some of the like unique outside the box initiatives that you've implemented, um, throughout your audit career to help maybe even change the perspective of internal audit? So look, Boomi is a perfect example. It was a carve out from Dow. Like carve outs are very messy. You're talking about a multi-billion dollar carve out. HR was in its infancy try to stand up on its own. All these other departments, a lot of them were in their infancy finance. I handheld, I taught, I didn't just come think, here's your issue, and I walked away. I was there with them. I was trying to help them. I was, in some cases, because we're so private, I, you know, I helped them implement the action plan. I, 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 I sat there and explained why certain things needed. I tried to do research for them. I humbled myself. These are mid-sized companies. You know, if I had to schedule meetings, so be it. You know, I didn't say this is beneath me. Or if I had to, you know, like, that's the stuff. Like, you help them be successful. You know, yesterday I talked to the head of HR, which I absolutely adore at our company. And she was like, we're seeing, it's astonishing. In the short period of time that you've been here, how much of a huge impact you've had on this company. And how everyone knows who you are. You know, you're not hidden behind a desk. So it's, I can't give you a magic, like, rule book that you have to do A, B, and C to do it. It's 
it, you have to adapt to your environment. Yeah. Fox needed one set of um, auditors. You know, Everbridge needed a different set. And you just have to mold and adapt and see where you can be helpful. You know, like the CFO is overburdened with stuff. She can't approve all exceptions. I'm like, I'll take that on. Let exceptions be wired to me. Or there are certain areas where people are like, oh, you're going to impair your independence. I'm like, okay, I'm an advisor. I'm still having someone from the business sign off on things. I'm just giving an advice and I put the disclosure in my email. This is my recommendation. However, this is only from a stock perspective and I'm only speaking from this. But again, how can you help them make their jobs easier? How can you help them scale? How can you be more efficient? That's where you add the value. So you've obviously been super successful. Uh, one of, if not the youngest CAE at a U.S. publicly traded company um, ever. And But there's got to be struggles, I'm sure, along the way. What are some of the struggles that I would say even you uh, deal with as a CAE that you could, you could pass on some guidance to the listeners and go, this is what I struggled with, so... Uh, keep that in mind, or here's what I would have done different in that situation, or or even right now that you're dealing with. Two, and you just touched on one, my age. Yeah. I felt like an imposter syndrome because everybody in the room was much older than me at these companies. And I, and whether it's true or not, you know, some people are like, oh, who's this guy? You know, I've actually had it. I've been doing this for 20 years. Well, who are you to tell me how to do this? Or I'm a VP or a executive vice president like you you know you're beneath me or whatever it is like and not you know that was my biggest struggle and then to getting the seat at the table initially people not especially the companies that you're taking them public or you're building their socks function they don't have a value and respect for that yet um and so you know building that and initially like why do you ask me this or why do you want to be part of this meeting or why do you so it's always that first year or the first six months at that company that's so difficult. And then the age thing, it kind of goes hands in hands of why, who are you and like, why are you bothering me? And I think it's let them see how you can help them. How can you be a value add to them? Um, you know, like at Abumi, we're an integration company. And this is where I always think outside the box, how can I help my company? And and our CREs, they were all salespeople. And I'm like, great. Have you guys ever marketed to the internal audit function? I mean, we're the ones who at every single company have access to all the executives and are always telling people, oh, get rid of this manual process or that. It's too high risk. It's inefficient. And trust me, I want automation because I only have to do a test of one. I don't have to do a test of 25. Like strong auditors want the same thing because it gives you better assurance and you get faster data. So I told the CEO, I'm like, look, I'm involved in the IA. I'm on the board of the IA. Uh, I'm on the CAE roundtable. Like this is a win-win. Uh, but like, I can help. You know, at these conferences, I go up and I tell people about Vumi and bring in potential customers. Do you know what respect you gain from our? I gain from our CRO and our CEO because of that. That is what I'm trying to say. Of like, be creative on how you can bring value to the company. And, you know, down the line, we're looking at and potentially sponsoring this now, the IAA and all this stuff that I'm passionate about because it makes sense and it's a win-win for everyone. Part of the me thinking I'm young and the imposter syndrome, uh, ironically enough, are one of my audit committee chairs who was interviewing me after she made me an offer and I accepted, she goes, you know, we 
had people interview for this role that had double or triple your years of experience. And they were really good candidates, but we still went with you because your eagerness to help and you were personable and to roll up your sleeve and to get things done to think outside the box, which is awesome because that was something she caught on before we I even started my work. Yeah. At the CFO at Booley, when she interviewed me, she was just like, I knew you were the guy because I can see the sparkle in your eye when you talked about controls and no one gets excited talking about internal control. <laughs> but you, you're the perfect person for this role. Yeah, I think I like that you talk about imposter syndrome. So you're talking about it from an age perspective. Um, I still get ID'd when I go to uh, make a run somewhere. And so like, I feel like I get that sometimes too. Uh, but I was talking to a new CAE. So they've been in audit, whatever, 30 years, but first CAE role. And that was kind of the impression I got from him was like this imposter syndrome of like, I don't know if I know enough. I don't know if I should be here. Um, and they really weren't sure even the steps to take. And so that's a bit of big focus. Almost the vision for the podcast in 2023 is like, how do you become a CAE? Uh, and once you're there, how do you deal with the audit committee? How do you talk to the audit committee? How do you communicate with them? How do you get the seat at the table? And so that's been the focus for the show. So if, if you summed it up, I guess, when you were your first CAE role, what was the, like, here, if you, if you laid out a, a guidebook, uh, this is how to do it. How did you learn to be a CAE? Ask for help, teach, and forever learn, and don't try to recreate the wheel. I feel like everyone always tries to recreate the wheel. For example, I had to add an internal audit charter. I reached out to my fellow people at the IAA. I, I realized there's an internal audit charter template that the IAA established. I leveraged that. I used that. You know, um, I also asked her, you know, audit committee chair, and she, she was a CFO at iRobot at the time. She's like, here's our charter. You know, I asked her, like, look, I'm in this role. Can you, uh, who, who's your CAE at iRobot? And you, she's also on, was on multiple um, other audit committees. She introduced me to those people because I don't have unlimited resources and I had to self-taught everything. Well, guess what? I leveraged them. How do you guys do this? How do you do that? And we, we used each other all the time. Like, oh, how did you, like, you would, you know, one of them named Connor would be like, hey, how do you use Workiva? How, how do you, you do that? Like, uh, can you do a product demonstrator for me and how you're using it to be more efficient and effective and, you know, using the tool. And for us, you know, we went from uh, cap software from a waterfall to agile. I'm like, how do you implement controls and how do you get your external order satisfied? So I reached out to him and he gave me examples of the controls they've written. Leverage your external auditors. Everyone sees them as the enemy. You know, I don't know why, you know, they have a wealth of information, the big four. They have a lot of this stuff. You just reach out and be like, hey, I'm trying to learn this or I want to know how to do this. And you know what? The last but not least, get involved. Get involved with your IAA chapter. Get involved with CAE roundtables. Get involved, ask questions. And then your CPEs. Like, let's be honest, a lot of people are CPAs or we just go and take the thing, but not me, but a lot of people will take the same thing or kind of put it in the background and do their normal day-to-day -day job. And they're not really getting any out of it. Yeah. For me, I try to find CEEs that are going to have, it's something new I want to learn, whether it's ESG, carbon footprint, whatever it is. So I, I try to like get that out of it. So leverage your CPEs. They're re mandated by law for a reason and it's to learn and to flourish. Now there's not a course on how to be a CAE, but reach out. People love to talk about themselves like you. 
reach out to us. Look at you got us on your podcast. Talk about ourselves. As I like when you're talking about leveraging the big four or your external auditors, like you pay them enough, get the value out of it. Like ask them questions, get as much as you can uh, from them. I like that you said that. All right. I'm curious because you, I got to think you're like uh, almost like this dreamer and you have these like visions of, of like this phenomenal world-class internal audit department. Uh, and you're talking about at some point in your career, maybe now even, I guess we all are resource strapped to a degree, but if you could, I'm curious about your, what you think here, if you could, if you had all the resources in the world and then limited budget, how would you build your audit department? What would it look like? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I don't know if it's unlimited resources, but if I had an unlimited ask, maybe I would just make sure that we are implemented in every decision. You could be such a value add, whether it's on the acquisition or revamping your revenue model or, you know, pricing model or implementing a system. I mean, everything. It's kind of hard because you have to be the jack of all trades. Um, but I wish I can clone myself. So I guess resources is more getting more headcount, um, getting more subject matter experts or access to that kind of stuff and being able to attend conferences. And more importantly, I think the biggest struggle is making sure that you're, you know, you can't be everywhere at all at once. And so when you build those relationships, people proactively come and ask you for help or come and ask you for that. And that's where, I, you know, like you want your CEO or CFO to be like, no, audit should be there. Instead of constantly fighting for stuff, which is exhausting and it wears you down. And then you're like, I don't want to do this. Like, why am I even doing this? Uh, there I don't see the value. So what's the point of me, you know, like, Hey, less work for me kind of thing. So I think my ask would be like where people see you so valuably and they reach out to you and breeding, like, I love helping. So bring me your problems. Let me see how I can help you. Let me give my advice. My favorite thing about being an auditor is the advisory work, not the redundant that work. Um, it's how can I help you? How can I schedule? How can I be a value add? How can I be a key executive part of just like the CMO or CFO, the CAE or the chief risk officer should be at that table with the CEO. I love this at Fox. I used to see this, the, our head of audit and our CEO, they would travel everywhere together, like a private jet. And he was like the CEO, he was the CFO and he was the head of audit and then general counsel. Those were like his inner circle as mm -hmm. they called it. Yep. And their offices were all by each other. Like, and that's awesome. Like that is like fantastic, yeah. you know? And I, I guess right now, I, when you say unlimited budget, I just learned to negotiate when I got my offer at Borge or at Boomi, I actually negotiate because I know I don't want to go through the headache of like fighting for every little headcount and whatever. I do part of my offer. Like, um, I need Workiva. I need this audit software because it's going to automate and eliminate all these tedious tasks. And this is the headcount I need. And then where do not forgotten, like, this is the career trajectory, or this is where I'll, you know, I want to be involved in this, this, and this. And then you talk about that. And I think, so I want to say that for the most part, I get what I need because I negotiated early on. When we were talking off camera earlier, you mentioned some of these uh, initiatives that you've initiated there. Uh, at Boomi, one of them being this quarterly internal audit award. And it's not for internal auditors, right? It's for folks outside of audit. And it, it's become a thing now, um, which I thought was really interesting, unique idea. I haven't heard it before. Could you kind of walk the listeners through what that is? 
why you did it and how it's been received since? Absolutely. So it's actually one of, one of my staff used to be her favorite thing to do. Um, so look, starting new an audit and again, see being seen as the enemy or the bad cop, like I'm very realistic about it and or seeing compliance as like a blocker to things, right? The internal audit award is basically an internal audit department. Internal audit creates a lot of work for people, whether you're SOX, whether you're internal audit, you're creating work for people, even though you're trying to help them, but they sometimes don't see that, but it's extra work. And so this internal audit award, we give out once a quarter, it's to elevate compliance, to show that the company itself takes compliance very seriously, that there is an internal audit award, there's sales rewards and all these kind of awards. Why not internal audit? And it's basically given to someone who went above and beyond to aid us and to help us. And there's like all these criteria, like you help, you know, promote ethics and compliance and blah, 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 blah. But we give it quarterly in a company-wide town hall. And then it gets presented to the audit committee. So it's like became one of the most prestigious awards because what other reward recipient of an award that we give out quarterly get presented to yeah. the board? Um, and it was very, very well received. People cried. People put it on their resume. Like, and even though like it's not like some major bonus or something, it's a small monetary amount and you get this trophy, but the recognition you get amongst people is massive. And it's a way for audit to say, Thank you. Yeah. Another way to think creative and to be, uh, to show your appreciation is team building. Internal audit, I actually lead the fund committee at Boomi for finance. It's the way to give back, it's to show them that you care. You care about culture, you care about that stuff. So I, with a bunch of team members, plan events and socials. Uh, and my prior company, same things. We used to send out gift cards during the holiday to all our control owners are saying, hey, busy season's around the corner. He's a little, uh, it was a Starbucks gift card. Yeah. He's a little uh, gift card so you can get that caffeine for the extra work we're about to create for you. It was like $10. People appreciated it so much that you thought of them and yeah. and stuff like that. So little stuff like that go very, very far and out really elevates compliance. Yeah, I like the little things. Uh, someone sent me just a $5 gift card. I hadn't seen them in a year. Um, they do audit training stuff and it was just like, Hey, I thought of you, here's a, you know, mailed it to me. And I was like, ah, sweet. You know, that's just, they say it's the thought that counts. And that really is the truth. Um, or like, this has been fantastic. Uh, kind of like your journey and then even what you've actually done to make a change in the various organizations that you're with and provided some, uh, a bit of a playbook for people to basically just you know, even that, that the quarterly award that you do, I'm guessing somebody's going to go, that's a great idea. We're going to start doing that. And I'm going to ask for the folks that do that, if you'll shoot either myself or Wasim a message and let us know how that went. Uh, I would love to, you know, almost like report on it. And I'm sure we'll see you'd appreciate uh, the feedback on it also. But uh, with all that said, you've given us a lot of great stuff. I don't know if you got anything left in the tank, but if you do, uh, what would you want to leave the audience with? Look, I work at Boomi. It's an integration software. There's a reason why I joined this company. I'm only saying this as a CAE. I was always looking for that solution that would help me integrate. And Boomi integrates like 2,000 different systems. Um, and it's an out-of-the-box solution that has a stock report. You don't have to write complex code. It's drag and drop. So, you know, internally, I have over 30 projects that we're working on to integrate the various systems at Boomi. From an internal perspective that's using Boomi on Boomi, uh, so look into it. I'm telling you, you'll you'll be a lot of people's, like you'll make processes more efficient, effective, you'll cut costs, and 
your process owners will love you because less manual process needs more automations. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from The Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.